I love the fellowship. Amen. So good to be amongst God's people and God's I have four announcements to give you before we will turn the service over to the ministry of Karis Bible College this morning. So first of all, tonight, tonight is a big night. It is our annual business meeting at 6 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. It's always a big night. Uh, you know, members can come and vote on special things, but as, as, and new board members every year, but especially in a time of transition like we are, it's, it's a, it'll be a very important evening for us. So I do encourage you to come out at uh, 6 p.m., in the fellowship hall and uh, be a part of the annual business meeting tonight. Uh, secondly, the word for you today is in the foyer. I don't know if you have, have seen that, if you've uh, picked up one of those in the past. Uh, it's a fantastic devotional, and this starts in March, the next the three months of that quarter. And so pick up one of those. Uh, the word for you today is, is there at the Welcome Center. And again, a few more. These are all kind of very urgent announcements that are happening soon. Uh, the Metamorphosis Conference. Some of us have participated in years past in a big youth conference that happens locally, and you have several hundred students come together for a weekend. Uh, again, fellowshipping together, but also under the word and, and in ministry in a kind of a real intense uh, weekend where you're just totally saturated with worship and the word and, and activity together with young people. Our church will be hosting that. This is March 3rd and 4th. Uh, if you are one that comes to Friday night prayer, uh, thank you so much for your uh, prayer in, in that space. Of course, we will be using the sanctuary during that time, so I would encourage you to come out. We should have plenty of room in the parking lot for you to come. You can pray at home, but we ask that you would still pray, and as ministry is going on here, that you would pray that young people would be impacted for the gospel and the kingdom. Amen? So again, that's coming up very soon, and as a part of that, I just want to mention again, Love Life has been talked about in the past. The next morning, so the 4th, March 4th, there will be a 9 a.m. prayer walk down at Chapel Hill, if you know where the Lowe's is, right there, 15501. And there's going to be a prayer walk. This is really a prayer of presence, where you see Love Life uh, is a very pro-life movement, but it's really a kingdom movement where you're praying just right there at the doorstep of the darkness, and we're not almost having a church service right there in the, in the middle of a very hostile area. But it's not a hostile ministry. It's not a sign-holding ministry. And so our youth, will, will as a part of Metamorphosis, will participate in Love Life that morning. Morning, uh, we will show up, and, and amongst the other things we are doing, we will participate with you all. Our church has agreed to adopt that Sunday. As you remember, we did that in the fall. We are adopting it. This time it will be here in the Chapel Hill, Durham area. So that is March 4th. And finally, the scholarships. If you remember, in times past, we talked about the fellowship. We've talked about our church doing scholarships. Our church is part of the Fellowship Network, historically the Full Gospel Fellowship of Churches and Ministers International. And our pastor has been on the executive board there for 40, Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Don Westbrook, 40 years. The only person to serve on the executive board for, for certainly for that period of time, 40 years. He's also the director of the education department and has been able since 1991 to give away so much money in scholarships. I, I don't even want to try to put a number to it. I know this year we're giving, uh, between our church and the fellowship, giving th over $34,000 and not including, amen, not including two full-ride scholarships to Christ for the Nations as well. Um, so if you would be, certainly check out that. That is the June 15th uh, consistent deadline that you, you always have to be a part of that. Two requirements, if you uh, have ministry as your calling, regardless of whether it's vocational or you're in the marketplace, you are eligible for this, but you do have to be in a fellowship church with a letter of recommendation as a part of, there's an extensive application process, uh, a letter of recommendation from a 
fellowship pastor. I've written some of those in the past, and Pastor Don, certainly Pastor Larry, will likely write a couple uh, this summer, I would imagine. And so thank you to all that have been a part of that. The, the website for that is thefellowshipnetwork.net forward slash education. And the last few years, that has been totally an online process now to where you can get the entire process done online, fill out all that, upload all your your uh, attachments and things, and make sure every little piece is covered, because even though it just seems like a simple online form, the process has been going for years, and you have to have every piece covered to be considered a qualified applicant. So again, the deadline is June 15th, and we, we ask that if you are going to college that you would, you would apply, and that we, we hope to, to hear your heart for ministry in the letter that you will write up on that application. So with that being said, would you please give a warm welcome to Jessica for a testimony, and then Brother Travis as they bring the word today from Karis Bible College, Andrew Wolbeck Ministry in Colorado. Amen. So I wasn't expecting an applause, but I guess that happens a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm Jessica. Hi, guys. I love y'all. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm, I'm a second year at Karis Bible College, and, man, it's, it's just been a blast. I, I've been really enjoying it, really enjoying hanging out with my people here, and um, it, it's just been so good. So I, I want to tell you all a testimony about how, how the Lord healed my heart in some things. And before I go into that, I kind of want to read a scripture. Y'all won't think I'm a heathen if I lose, use my phone, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> okay. So th- this is in Luke uh, 4, 4.18. Okay, 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has set, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He has set, he has set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and, and the, the scripture that I wanted to capitalize on is he... He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Oh, praise God. I I know like some of y'all, when you hear that word brokenhearted, you think of the picture, right? The heart cut in two, you know. Uh, Us young kids, we know it as the emoji, so. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, there's a lot more to it than it, you know, just being broken in two. You know, our hearts were designed uh, to, to function uh, in a way that receives love and gives out pure love freely. And whenever our hearts are broken, that function becomes disabled. It becomes twisted. That's why we see in this world today so many different versions of what love is like. But, but let me tell you something that I've experienced. How many of y'all see, before we go into that, how many of y'all have seen a broken heart? Has anybody, you know, with these two eyes have seen... With your physical eyes, a broken heart, no hands. Okay, if if you have hands, you're lying. Okay, <laughs> we will pray for you, Kara. <laughs> um, we've seen a broken arm, a broken arm in a cast, or we've seen a scrape or a bruise, but we haven't seen with our physical eyes a broken heart. But let me tell you something that I've experienced. It is the God that is unseen that can heal what is unseen. Oh, praise God. I'm going to say that one more time because I don't think someone has it yet. It is the God that is unseen that can heal what is unseen. 
So I grew up in church, so I'm kind of at home. So thank you guys. <laughs> um, and uh, I, you know, I grew up, you know, listening to stories and you know about the word and. Um, you know, you can go, you can go to church for about four years and not be saved. You know, I was practically born there, so I didn't understand English. So, um, so it took me about two years to start understanding Bible stories. Um, then three, I started kind of getting it three years into this. Okay. So I'm about four and I hear the salvation message and I knew, man, it was time for me to go. So So I received Jesus when I was four years old. I think about four years old. I could have been three. I don't know. It was so young. I was so young, I didn't remember. But when uh, when I uh, received the Lord, it was like the Bible stories became my stories. And um, it became personal. It wasn't just like a story I was hearing about. These are stories about my God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. Um, and so, you know, uh, as the years went by, um, thing, things were not good at home. Um, my, uh, my mama and my dad became divorced, and there was a lot of stuff going on with her. She later went on drugs and started doing stuff that wasn't really godly. And I, after a while... Um, things started becoming progressively worse. And in Texas, you have to, you have to go to visitation. I mean, you, you don't really have an option unless you can get a court, court ruling on it. So um, while, while my parents were fi- my stepmom and my dad were fighting in court, um, we still had to go to visitation. And it would either begin or end with her yelling at us or accusing us of not loving her enough or stuff like that, all lies, all lies. So, so we, so what our week looked like was we would, Sunday we would go to church, Wednesday we would go to church, and then the weekend it was mama, Sunday, Wednesday, mama, Sunday, Wednesday, mama. And um, so, and it was really heartbreaking to be around her because of the toxicity of the situation that, that's a fun word, toxic. I like that word. How many of y'all think of the radioactive sign when you think of that? <laughs> yeah. It's not, well, how many of you know that that's where thing, living things go to die, right? That's where living <laughs> things go to die. But actually, there's actually this uh, one bacteria. I forgot what it's called. You'll have to look it up. But it can actually live in a toxic environment. And what happens is, is it uh, what the radioactive environment does? It um, tears apart cells and uh, molecules and stuff like that. And uh, gonna breathe for a second. Pause for effect. Okay, I'm good. Okay, so what it does is it it regenerates itself constantly putting its DNA back together, putting it back together. And that's what the anointing does, what the Word of God does. So every Sunday we were under the Word. Every Wednesday we had an anointed worship with our youth group. And then it was Mama. And week after week after week, that's how the Lord ultimately kept my heart whole during that time was being under the presence of the Lord. 
and there were some cra- crazy weekends, guys. Like, sometimes, so, sometimes she was high at visitation, okay? <laughs> so, um, but there was this one particular weekend uh, where um, uh, it was actually our first weekend with a boyfriend that, that was staying with us. And uh, we went to the park, we came back, decided we wanted to go swimming, because what kid doesn't want to go swimming in Texas heat? <laughs> Amen. I, I bet it gets really hot here and humid. Y- y'all like to go swimming too? Yeah, I like, I like swimming. Um, but so we came back, and we were getting ready, and my sister and I were changing, and I noticed something in the corner, and there was a pair of shoes, and I noticed something propped up, and it was a phone. And I had turned it around, and it was recording. And it was the boyfriend's phone. And uh, my, my sister, she was pretty sick. And she, she was 12 then, I was 16. And uh, uh, I was pretty shaken, too. Uh, I had gone to get my, uh, uh, all of us siblings, I had two other brothers that were with me, go get a phone. Uh, we were all sharing a phone. Um, So we went and got the phone. I was texting my parents, hey, you know, this is happening. Um, And my my sister was shaking. If I let my mama know, she's going to freak out. So so right there in the bathroom, we just, I was like, Lizzie, we're not going to tip our hand right now. You know, they know what's going on. They're not going to know what's going on right now. We're just going to worship the Lord. And so, and so we just started, you know, singing songs and uh, one of the songs that we sang was, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, Lord, I do. I'll never even worry that I might not make it through because I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, Lord, I do. Because I know you love me. I will always trust in you. Thank you, Lord. And we sang, uh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior. Jesus, like a fragrance after the rain. Oh, kings and kingdoms, the whole pass away, but there's something. saying, oh, the glory is here. Oh, the glory is here. I can sense his mighty presence in the very atmosphere. So whatever you may 
you on. And you know, just y'all sensed his presence filled the room as we started singing. Just as his presence filled the room, his presence filled that bathroom. And uh, we ended up telling, telling my mama, but you know, even though she was freaking out like she does, um, uh, there was total peace that day. And uh, one of the things that, you know, I was remembering about the situation last night, and I was like, you know, the moment that I saw, you know, the video of, uh, that he caught, uh, that was the moment I forgave him. And it, it, it op ultimately opened up my heart to receive God's healing in my life. And that, that consistency of choosing to forgive, just as Jesus forgave on that cross, it opens up your life for his anointing to come in and to piece your heart together. Guys, there's a lot of broken things going on out there, but you, you don't have you don't have to walk through a heartbreaking situation and have your heart broken. With the help of the Lord and his anointing, that heart can just keep coming together and coming together and be healed and whole no matter what you're going through. So as, a, as an act of your faith, Lord, all right, guys, just put your hand on your heart right now. I just want y'all to put your hand on your heart. And y'all may have someone that y'all need to forgive. Let's, let's have an opportunity to do that. And then we're just going to ask the Lord to heal our heart. Amen. So y'all repeat after me. God... I forgive just as you forgave me. And Lord, I'm asking you right now, heal my heart, make it new, bring the pieces back together. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Well, we're going to have my brother Travis come up. And he's going to deliver an awesome word, and I'm excited about it. Man, that was awesome, right? <laughs> well, how you guys doing? Doing all right? It's such a, a wonderful presence of the Lord in, in this house. Yeah, hosting the presence is what, what's going on here. And it's awesome not to be rushed, right, to just enjoy that. Amen. Uh, my name is uh, Travis. I am also a Karis student <clears throat> from a place called Virginia, not too far from here. Amen. A little country. So, But um, I had a message prepared before, uh, a few days before, but the Lord changed it and gave me this message um, a, few day, a few weeks before, maybe like a week before we got out here. And this message is really about... Um, the love of God for you, and primarily to uh, the unbeliever, but really towards the believer. And the reason I say that is because when you get into ministry and you begin to come to church, whether you're in ministry or not in ministry, uh, it can become routine if you allow it. You know, you know what to do. You know the songs to sing. You know, uh, you can even finish the scriptures before the pastor. You know all the things to do. Right. And you were saved. You're born again. You, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But uh, but it can become routine if you will allow it. What I've come to find out is that in every relationship, including the one with the father, you have to become intentional. Um, if you don't become intentional, life will, you know, 
take you away from the things of God. It'll move you. You'll be sitting right here and your heart doesn't move for the Lord. You won't worship, you know, and it'll become routine. And that is the end of a relationship. And But I was asking the Father, what do you want to say? And he said, remind them of, you know, my love. The unconditional love of God. That God's affection over your life is not conditional. It's not conditional. Does he require holiness? Does he want you to walk in faithfulness? Absolutely. <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> but even when you make mistakes and, and you, your heart is really not in, in it and your, your life is happening to you, which can happen to all of us, your father's affection over your life does not change. Uh, I have a couple of scripture verses I want to share with you guys. And uh, some of them are, are really familiar, uh, primarily the first one. But I want to share with you a revelation that uh, the father's uh, probably a way. Maybe you have heard it that way, but or this way, but I think it'll bless you. So in John 3.16, right, a lot of us know that scripture. You can probably quote it for me. <laughs> For Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that includes you and me, believeth on him, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. And, and we may quote that, for God so loved the world, but when was, when was the last time that you personalized it, for God so loved me? You can, we declare that to people, uh, you know, God loves you, God loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And, and so much so that sometimes people they've heard it and it doesn't register at all, uh, including on you, it doesn't register. And I, I never forgot I was ministering to people and I've been in ministry for a little bit and the father says, uh, you believe I love them, but you, you're not convinced about my affection over your life. And I was like, man, I hadn't really thought about it. <laughs> you know, I know you love me. He says, but I don't just love the world. I love you. I think the world of you. And he began to give me a revelation. I was listening to a minister, um, and he gave me this revelation. He says, that, that verse of Scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, heaven actually went bankrupt for you to purchase you. And he would do us justice to remember that, to, to remind yourself. There's a Scripture in the book of Jude that says, keep yourself in the love of God. You have to remind yourself that God loves you. He says that. That verse, John 3, 16, and in a couple other verses, the cross is really a revelation of your value. It's not just about sin. When we see the Lord Jesus Christ and these, you know, people portray the, uh, the Lord, you know, it's, it's amazing. Sin is a very deadly thing, very, very deadly thing. And it, it, people are going to hell every day because of it. But the other side of that is the goodness of God when you see that cross. This is a revelation of God's value over your life. You need to remember that he's not just God, he's your father. How many have children? You have children, right? Any parents in here? Well, the Lord began to minister to me. I have three children. He began to minister to me. He said, uh, would you provide for your children? I said, absolutely. He know, you know, just rhetorical questions. He said, who, who thought about their food before they, before they ever hungry? I said, I did. <clears throat> he said, who thinks about their clothes, what they need before they ever have a need? I said, I do. He says, uh, you go ahead of them to provide things for them, don't you? I say, absolutely. He says, you're not a better father than I am. I said, man, okay. All right. Because he says, you would do that for your child, but you struggle believing I would do it for you. 
the moment a bill comes up that's unexpected, you're, oh man, Father, please, you know, in the name, you know, all of these things we do to convince God to provide for us, but he says, you don't have to convince me to be a good father. I love you. And he began to minister to me about the, about the blood of Jesus and my value. He says, uh, for example, this, this platform, it costs a particular amount of money. I don't know what that is, but he says, if it costs, let's say, $1,000, he says, that's the value. He says, but, a, but if a millionaire comes in and says, I'll give you $10 million, he says, the value just changed. He said, I paid everything for you. Your value in heaven is settled. God is not, he's not waking up every morning and, and trying to figure out how he feels about you. <laughs> and this is really important for the believer because we get so caught up doing things for God. I want to do, I want to serve, I want to, and all of that is great, you know, but a relationship is, is twofold. And there's a scripture uh, in 1 John, let's see if I can pull that up, give me one moment. It's in 1 John, I can quote it, but I, I would definitely love to give you the address for it. In the book of First John, I think it's around about, let's see here, one moment. Yeah, so it is in First John, First John 4, 19. And this really just impacted my heart, kind of drove in the, what I feel like the Father was saying. He says, it says, we love because he first loved us. But the, the problem with that is if you get so focused on, I love God, God, I love you, I love you, I love you, I want to, and never get on the opposite side of just receiving the love of God, it can become a thing you try to earn. You're trying to prove that you love God over. God, I love you, I love you. Sometimes we have to just get back on the receiving side. The Lord says, no, you love, you are still on the responding end of this deal. <laughs> You're loving me because I loved you first. And when the Lord began to remind me of that, I began to settle in under the affection of my father. I, see, I have, I have three little children, seven, six, and, and three. And one of the most amazing things for me is when my, my children come up and, and I fuss about it, <laughs> and they say, Daddy, I'm hungry. What they don't say, they, they never ask the question. They never say, Dad, do you have enough money to feed me? Kids don't ask those kind of questions, praise God. They have faith, amen. They believe. <laughs> They know instinctively that you will do anything for me, whether you want to or not. You're going to, and you know what, they're 100% correct. They're 100% correct. If they were sick, I would easily trade places with them. If they were hurt, I'd do anything to stop and, and fix the need. But yet we struggle thinking God would do the same thing. He's not just God, he's a dad. If you, if you get parenthood, you get the gospel. Because I don't know a father or a parent who wouldn't do anything for their child. This is the gospel. A father who says, I want my children back. And so the, the message he wanted me to kind of bring to you today is just as believers to put yourself back on the opposite. Nothing's wrong with serving. Nothing's wrong with being faithful. There is a place for that. We need that. But remind yourself of the love of God for you, that God loves me, that heaven has determined my value not my ministry, not what I do for God. He's the initiator of this thing. There's a verse of scripture in uh, 1 John, uh, 1, I'm sorry, not 1 John, Romans 5, 8. Listen to this, and you, I'm sure you know this scripture, but listen to the value that the Father places on you. In Romans 5, uh, verse, verse 8, it says, the love of God was demonstrated in this way. 
that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And what I love about that says Father's love was demonstrated. Love is always demonstrated. And so we know how to demonstrate our love for the, for the Father. We'll get up here, we'll worship, we'll sing, we'll, we'll share Jesus. Um, but we have to be reminded that Father is demonstrating his affection over your life daily, every single day, every day. He says, and notice that the verse says, yet while you were sinners, I died for you. I did not wait for you to get it all together. I didn't wait for you to have all your ducks in a row before I decided to die for you. And once again, he takes me to, to parenting to drive that home. He says, when your, your wife was pregnant, you loved that child before they ever did anything. They hadn't done anything. They hadn't done anything right or wrong, and, and yet you were smitten over them. And then when they come out, he says, even more so, they make a mistake, but your love is not fluctuating as they make mistakes. He says, but my people think that way about me. They think that it, if I'm doing everything right, if, I, if I'm dotting on my I's, crossing on my T's, if I'm, I read my Bibles, you know, three hours a day, which I, I'm an avid reader of the Word of God, you should read it. He says, but they, they question if they don't do these things, that my affection is changing over them. He says, it's not true. And he began to tell me, he says, I am the most constant person you'll ever meet in your life. Jesus is the person of Yeshua is the most constant person you'll ever meet. The way he feels about you now is the way he'll feel about you 10 years from now. And he thinks the world of you. I don't know, any, I don't know anybody who would bleed their blood, who would empty themselves out for, for people who, who possibly may reject him. Possibly. And yet he still does it every day. Just an encouragement at two ministers and, and unbelievers alike, uh, people who know the Father, and I assume everybody here knows the Lord, amen, praise God. But those who, who don't, you know, uh, who may watch this later, um, he loves you, man. Like, he actually likes you. He doesn't just love you, he likes you. <laughs> he, come on, you, there are people that, you know, I know they love me, but do they like me? Are they tolerating me? There's a scripture in Hebrews four sixteen that says, come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't know any other way to come boldly than to run. There's a welcome, a welcoming mat for you to come before the Father. His delight is over your life. Um, this verse of scripture uh, in Psalms 103, verse 10, David said it this way. He says, you have not dealt with me according to my sins, nor punished me according to my iniquities. Notice, he says, Father, you're not dealing with me according to my mess-ups, my hang-ups. I wouldn't be friends with someone who I thought was always nitpicking with me. None of you, none of you would. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be long before you decide to say, I don't really want anything to do with them. I can't please them. I can't. But yet, the enemy is, bombards the mind with these thoughts about your father who's extremely kind. He, he's, not, he's not undone when you make a mistake or when you miss it. He actually encourages you. Tells you to get back up and do it again. And I'm reminded of, you know, when my son was one. If he made a mistake, you know, trying to walk to me, I'd pick him up, laugh at him, make a silly face and put him back. Try it again, <laughs> you know. But I want you to know, Father's not dealing with you based on your mistakes. He paid a really high price so he, so he would never have to do that. I'm talking about the believer, the son or the daughter of God. You have a really good father in heaven and he thanks the world of you. Listen to this verse, uh, the, the, 
the definition of the word toward, I, this word kept popping up in scripture. He says, tell them my love is toward them. The word towards means a, it's a direction. He's committed. God has made a commitment to loving you that way, to loving you that way. He, he said, when one sinner comes to repentance, he says, there's a party in heaven. And I think some people, including myself, have mentally assented to that. Man, there's a party. But did you know that Jesus doesn't waste words? He means exactly what he says. There's a celebration. People in heaven know your name. I'll prove it to you. Paul says, when I get there, I'll know all things, even as I'm known. I am known there. Someone knows you. Your name is written there. The Bible calls you a citizen of the kingdom. These are not words he's, everything in the scripture is not metaphorical. He means exactly what he says. Heaven knows exactly who you are. Your family you're a family. You've been given the name of Jesus. You've been given the spirit of God as a deposit, as a guarantee. Blood was shed for you. you. You ever seen blood? You ever notice how people respond when blood is, is a really serious thing, whether you see a cut or a mass amount of it? Blood was shed for you. It's a big deal. You are a big deal. So when you receive the, the gift of salvation and you understand what was paid for you, uh, this will get rid of all self-esteem issues. This will get rid of all that up and down because I feel this way one day. Father isn't like that. He's not fickle like we are. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says when you come to him and you ask him, and, and James, the book of James, first chapter, he says he, he'll give you liberally wisdom without reproach. That word reproach, he's saying insult. He, he's not like, you know, where you been? <laughs> he, he doesn't do that. He celebrates you. Okay. And, I, and I, I'm encouraging the believer primarily because we're told this gospel message before we get born again, that God loves me no matter what. And you get saved and you come to church and they say, if you don't do everything right, if you don't do this and you don't do that, and whether you know or not, you begin to live under this cloud of, am I enough? Am I doing enough, God? Am I praying long enough? Am I doing, am I doing enough? And the answer is a resounding yes. You were doing enough before, it's, which is why I paid for you. Amen. So I just want to leave you guys with this. If you take, if you take anything from, from the message, and let it be that God thinks the world of me. I matter to God. He's not just my God. He's my father. The Bible calls the Lord Jesus your elder brother. Did you know that? Not only is he king, but he's your brother. <laughs> the Bible says he, brought, he brings many sons unto glory. You are family in, in God. He sees you that way. And when you make a mistake and when you miss it, when you don't pray, when you get at the red light and someone gives you a hard time and you, ah, you know, and you're rushing. Yeah, it's good to say, Father, forgive me. I wasn't, I wasn't like you today, but I'm so glad you love me and that you are constant over my life. And that when I worship from a place of worshiping you, from a place of being thankful, I'm, I, I am being transformed into what you're like to being constant, to being consistent, to being affectionate towards people, whether they are do the right thing or not. When you understand that God sees you this way, you can do that that way. Right. It becomes a little bit easier to not just tolerate people, but celebrate people. Most of the people that I get a chance to minister to, minister to and I minister to thousands. One of the, most of them are church people and they are offended they're some of the most offended people because God has been misrepresented to them. I, they, they'll get into a problem. I don't understand why God is allowing this to happen. And it's so unfair because he's not like that. He provides. He's, he's the kindest person I've ever met in my entire life. Do things happen? Does it get hard like we, when we, like we sung the song? Absolutely. 
We walk through things. But he's the God who's with you in the midst of what you're walking through. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. You won't leave me. You won't leave me. And, and I, so I, I feel the need to the body of Christ is to just be reminded, right, that God loves me, period. I am his. He's my beloved and I am his. A very high price was paid for me. I was redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, an incorruptible seed. My name is written there. Someone knows me there. There's a great cloud of witnesses around me. I am celebrated. I am anticipated. Heaven knows I'm on my way. Praise God. And I need to live like it down here. And when you meet an unbeliever, that's the thing that's going to win them, the goodness of God. That's what the scripture says. I'll share this really quick instance, but I have about three minutes left. I'll share this with you. There's a scripture, and it's in Romans, that says the goodness of the Lord leads men to repentance. When the Lord Jesus saw Peter, uh, he said, hey, cast your net again on, on that side. And Peter said, I've been doing this all night. I'm really frustrated. I'm a fisherman. I know fish, and there are none there. But I'll do it because you asked me. He cast this net and catches the biggest catch of his entire life. You know what his response was? He repented. He said, woe unto me. I'm unclean. He experienced the goodness of the Lord and repented because of it. This is what the, this is what the unbeliever would, would do when we live as, as ministers, as, as people who are stewards of the goodness of God. But we first have to start by understanding that I am that. God loves me. He doesn't just, he's not using me. That's what Andrew, man, he, Andrew Womack is a blessing. He said, God will never use you at the expense of you. He's not using you to throw you away. You matter to them. He loves you. But understanding that God loves you this way really makes it easy to love people this way. I want to thank you guys for allowing us to come and share and, and stand behind this sacred pulpit. Bless you, man of God. Thank you so much for allowing us to, to be here, man. And I, yeah, thank you for letting me share, guys. All right. Travis, thank you. Um, you know, several of us in our church have prayed over this service, and I think if, if our church needed to hear anything today, it was that young lady's testimony and that word. Yeah. The only thing I could think about, and I don't remember your name, I'm sorry, but as you were giving your testimony up here is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Your heart is very pure. And God is going to take your experiences. There is a broken world out here. And as I, I listen to your testimony and then his message and how we get in church and we do our thing and, and, and we forget the brokenness. We forget that we were all broken. But there's a God that loves us. And Travis, I needed to hear that. And I think every believer needs to understand the love of God in our lives, that he loves us, that you do matter to him. So I just want to thank you for being obedient. Uh, we have been such a blessing to have you guys here with us this morning. I I'm going to ask uh, if everyone would stand, please, for a moment. Brother Matt, if you and the team will come forward. I'm going to ask everyone if they would, just, just bow your head for a moment. If you're here this morning and that brokenness is in your life, and it is, God has worked overtime on our families. God's after every institution. Satan is after every institution that God has created. And the first one that he created was the family. 
And he's working overtime on that. And we see the result of the brokenness of it this morning. But as this young lady shared with us, God can take those broken things, the worst of situations as she described, and He can use it. He gives beauty for ashes. He takes broken things and makes beautiful people. And He's building a testimony. and He's taken her and now she's going to be able to minister to people that are in those situations. So if you're here this morning there's just brokenness in your family and you said, I want someone who understands this to come, to come and pray with me, you come stand here and I'm going to ask this young lady to come and stand behind you. If there's brokenness in your family and you heard what, can, what it can do, you come stand down here and let this young lady come and put her hands on you and pray over you. And then we'll, the rest of us will gather up momentarily. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pause for a moment and you can... You're free to stay in your pew and hang on to it. Or you can say, I need somebody who understands this to come and just put their arms on me and, say, and let's pray. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ is your Savior, you've got the brokenness of sin still in your life, and something's pulling at your heart right now. That's the Spirit of God. This altar is open. Come stand here. Come stand here and let people gather around you. I'm only going to wait just a moment. Okay. I'm going to ask all of our brothers and sisters from Karis, and, and including Brother Mickey, if you all will just come stand right here along the front of the altar. And then I'm going to ask all of the rest of our church, let's gather in behind them for a moment. You guys come on up a little bit closer so we can get behind you. Maybe you didn't come forward, but maybe you'd like to talk to this young lady before you leave about some things. Maybe you would like to talk to Travis. Thank God for these young people. I think in our, when you get a little gray hair like me and you see what's going on out in the culture out there, you get like, a, like Elijah was. Like, God, they're all lost. They, 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 you know, nobody's doing it right anymore. And God had to set Elijah straight and say, let me tell you something. I've reserved 7,000, Elijah, and he's reserved a whole lot more than 7,000 who hadn't bowed their knee to this culture. And there they stand right there. And we have them here in our church. And so we want to thank you. And we know that God is going to use you. So I'm going to ask all of you that will to gather up and maybe place your hands on them. And we're going to pray over them for an anointing on their life, an anointing on their ministries. I don't know what particular ministries you're going into, but we know that God's going to bless you and use you by the might of His power. Father, we thank you, God, for, Lord, for visiting with us, for your anointing that's been here, for your presence that's been here. Lord, we thank you for every young man and every young woman that's here. God, and I pray for a special anointing over them, God, over their lives, over their ministry. God, that when Satan comes in and tells them they're not enough, that they'll hear the words of their brother Travis, that we're not enough, but you are. That was settled at the cross. You've made us righteous. And often, God, whether we stand behind a pulpit or where we sit in a pew, Satan is always the accuser. But God, you've told us that we're more than conquerors in you. 
So, Lord, I pray over them, Lord, and I pray an anointing over them, over their ministry, God, that you would guard their hearts and their minds. Lord, that when Satan and when the enemy comes in, as you said, that you would raise up a standard in their life and minister to them, Lord, as they minister to others. Fill them up, God, as they pour themselves out, God, to those who need to hear the gospel. And we thank you for that, Lord God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If there's anybody here, you have a special need, anybody for needs of, of anything, Brother Dan, I'm going to get some men to go and place their hands on Brother Dan. He'll tell you what he needs. Prayers of healing. Whatever needs you might have in your life. We believe in the, in the prayer of agreement. We want to gather around you. Put our, is, is, is Brother Matt and the team start to sing? We're going to worship. What we like to do is end our time around the altar. What we have noticed here lately is as we begin to minister to each other, that the Lord just shows up. And that's what we want Him to do. So if you have a need, if you'll raise your hand, we'll have somebody gather around you. And in the meantime, as the team begins to pray, to play, we'll spend some time in worship. Anyone else? Brother Matt. And feel free to worship and minister to each other and pray with each other.